Welcome to the Poultry Homestead Podcast, everybody. I'm sure glad you're here. Today we're doing episode number two with Victor Michael, an off-grid homesteader from central Tennessee. And man, he's been a plethora of information so far if you listen to episode number one. It has been my honor to have him on this podcast. It's been a really neat experience for me. And uh, really happy to have him here. Uh, today we'll be talking a little bit more about the animals that he has in his acreage, the lay of the land, and some of the neat laws that Tennessee has that uh, make it such a great homesteading state. And uh, following up with that, we'll have a message from Victor. But anyway, uh, how you doing, Victor? Are you back? Hey, I'm back. I'm good. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I have to say, uh, the honor is, is, is also mine. Uh, because I, I don't reach out to, I, I listen to a fair number of other podcasters, but nobody really, you know, struck a chord with, with me as, as you did, keeping it real, keeping it, you know, no BS. Uh, I guess I can say no bullshit. Yes, yes, you can say anything you want on the Poultry <laughs> Homestead podcast. <laughs> um, I like, I like, uh, I like a no bullshit attitude and, and approach to getting shit done. Yes, yes. And that was you. And I was like, I like this dude. So everybody's listening right now, keep listening. Go back. Keep listening. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's plenty of episodes to choose from, and I sure appreciate it, Victor. Um, But anyway, you know, we were talking earlier about your log chicken coop, and you were talking about the chicken breeds that you had right now. How, How many of each breed did you have? So we, uh, well, I, I should say I uh, really decided that we would, well, sorry, let me back up because this was a whole process for us. Yeah. Um, I was going to build a chicken coop that housed 20 chickens. I was going mm-hmm. to do 10 layers and 10 meat birds. Yep. That's a so you have to feed them differently yes and so therefore you can't really commune them yeah it's really hard to do a lot of times the layers will kill the meat birds like when they're chicks i didn't want to have to like learn that stuff so Mm -hmm. i i took the the chickens no pun intended the chicken shit way out (laughs) yeah yeah and i said hey you know what let's just get some number of dual purpose birds yeah okay absolutely so you know i we just started looking of course tanya you know every time i mentioned the chicken coop uh or chickens or you know anything chicken related she get she got she lit up and she got all excited oh yeah definitely Um, i like tanya already what's that (laughs) i like tanya already (laughs) <laughs> she's she's all about the chicky chicky chickies. Um, <laughs> yep. That's a direct quote. She won't be uh, sad about me doing that. Oh yeah, my, um, that's the way my wife and daughter are too. Yeah. So um, so we ended up uh, we found a local hatchery. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhat local. It's like an hour and a half away toward Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had chicks and the the coop was just about done was done enough um and uh let's go see what they've got you know we we're we're as ready as we'll ever be yeah um so we settled on the dual purpose birds um we were looking at the coop thinking we don't exactly have a run yet yeah um but you know they they need to and it, plus it was coming out of of winter or kind of i mean it, it got down into the um 40s and yep. they were only like three four weeks old mm-hmm. and and you have to be really careful we're off grid and i'm not going to run my generator all night for a heat lamp which i wouldn't have done anyway because right i just hear horror stories about heat lamps and oh yeah there's plenty of them 
like the no, yeah number one uh, cause of barn fires is you know chicken heat lamp. Oh yeah, yeah, um, certainly. So <clears throat> we're like, we need to wait until it starts warming up a little bit. Uh, but then we're like, well, the Mennonites do it. How do they do it? Well, we went over to the Mennonites and we got hot water bottles. What is it? Well, a hot water bottles. You know those old school rubber. Um, uh, bladders yes with the yes. caps on them we boil water put it in the hot water bottle put it underneath a blanket and let them brood in the chicken coop really that is how they do that um it now granted it's not the middle of winter you know and it was warmer during the day so that wasn't a concern it just got down into the you know 40s and 50s at night yeah yeah and but it, it was enough and i think choosing a uh a more um tolerant or durable bird mm-hmm. or breed yeah um is would be a key thing too you don't want to get a really sensitive to cold breed of chicken if it's still cold out and you're off grid and you have no real way of keeping them you know, it's supposed to be what, like, a hundred degrees. Yeah. When they're first born, and then you reduce it by five degrees every week or something. Yeah, it's 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 close to that. Yeah, I mean, if in a perfect world, you know, I mean, right. you you have your lamp down there, it's probably a foot off the ground, and then you raise it an inch or two every couple days, and next thing you know, you're good to go. Once they're fully feathered, you can let them out. You know, I mean, but but the um, that hot water bladder that you're talking about or water bottle whatever you call it um that i never ever heard about that and as as soon as you said that i'm like oh my goodness that is such a safe and efficient way of doing that especially at night yeah i mean it's like and 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 that's why i'm i'm really grateful and appreciative of being near a community that their whole lifestyle is off grid Mm mm-hmm because you can go I can drive down there right now take me 20 minutes to get over there go to the feed shop and say hey man how do you guys keep your chicks warm yeah and oh you know Jeremiah that has the novelty shop down on the other highway sells hot water bottles (laughs) sweet (laughs) yeah yeah that is so cool you know I mean just that I mean, wow, that's crazy. Because, yeah, I've had a couple of heat lamps blow up on me, and uh, we just started using regular regular 100-watt bulbs. We don't even use heat lamp bulbs anymore because of that. You know, yeah, I think, what was it? It, it like, it develops a leak or something? And then, yeah. Yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah. Uh, and, again, I'll say it, that's the kind of stuff that uh, people will learn from your your own plethora of podcasts going back i well, haven't even listened to them all yet yeah well and that's just it. It, it there's so many things that have happened to us in the last three years you know and it's it's just been like oh goodness you know i mean i better tell everybody about this so they don't make that mistake or or whatever yeah so that's pretty cool the water bottles and then and then what what exact breeds did you get from that that hatchery so we got uh so uh what i found you know i i'm I'm not the kind of person that will go and just watch one youtube video or listen to one podcast or you know do one google search and go to one website and say oh well this guy says you know this Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so uh, you know i'll take a you know a broad view of what people are doing mostly publishing on the internet and even personal conversations and experience yeah um i i throw all that into a bucket and say what is what makes the most sense of the information that i'm taking in and how does that suit what i need and so i I, you know i plug it into my victor calculator and i think Mm -hmm. all right well the most across the board the one of the most popular breeds that I've been hearing are Rhode Island Reds. Yeah. Um, 
and the the four chickens I had in the Chicago suburbs uh, as an anarchist um, <laughs> were Rhode Island Reds. So yeah. I was used yeah. to their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were at the hatchery, uh, the girl that was boxing them up is where she's she's like, yeah, these are great. They're very hearty. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're hot and cold um, tolerant. So or hardy, whatever word she used, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, well, box up ten of those suckers because we're taking them home." Yeah, uh, and uh, so there we have it. That was a month ago. Yeah, maybe. So they're 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 like seven weeks. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, there I have a little. Um, plastic poultry fence that I put up I made a small little run for them out right out in front of their coop because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm trying to you know train them how to use the ramp into the chicken coop and let them be comfortable outside let them learn how to eat bugs and scratch oh yeah uh, and and they they didn't at first I was like I thought you guys knew how to do this yeah yeah <laughs> and that's one thing like um once in a while when I had some chicks and they didn't quite know what was going on, I would just go get a bunch of grass from out in the yard and it's full of bugs and stuff that I can't see that they like and they'd, I'd let them pick through it too. So, yeah, it, it does. It takes a little training. And sometimes you'll even put, like, chicken feed, like chicken scratch on the ground and they won't touch it. They don't They don't know that, it, that that's food yet. You know? Right. And I'm like, man, you guys, you really do have... Brain the size of a pea or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. Like, and I even bought him a a big old brick of sunflower um, seeds and mealworms. Oh yeah. And I, I, you know, crumbled it up and threw it out in the run, and they just looked at me like, "You get away from me." I a a year from now, they'll trample you over when they see you bringing it. <laughs> I, I, they, I think they're just getting used to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, and that the mealworm thing kind of brings up another thing. You can take yourself, uh, and I like the way that this uh, other this this UK bar, uh, podcaster put it. He said, "There's because he defined uh, sustainability, uh, self reliance, and." Um, and so self-sustainability is having a closed loop where you don't need any outside you don't need to buy chicken feed let's say for example mm-hmm. yeah. um, so that would be a closed self-sustainable loop yeah. uh, self-reliance is where um, I don't have a chicken coop I have all these trees around me I'm going to learn how to build a cabin Mm-hmm. And start putting these logs together, so it's more of a skill and knowledge rather than uh, a sustainability issue. You know, it's more a skill issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, with that, um, to create a more uh, self sustainability, well, and it, it intermixes with the self reliance too. Is that chickens love mealworms? Oh yeah. Well, I became curious and I started googling and YouTubing how do I grow mealworms? Mhm. And there are people out there who very simply, very cheaply buy beetles. They have a little three drawer system where they put these beetles in a in a drawer, you know, those plastic stackable ones you buy at, at Wally World. Yeah. Yeah, so they get one of those, they put the beetles in the top, and then when they they sift the stuff down into the drawer below that, and then and then the, when they get to the next stage, they go into the bottom drawer. And now, I don't, ha- I wouldn't have to, I'm not doing it, and it's something I'm thinking about. Um, but you can, you can take it that far, that's my point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you can, and there are people who let chickens free range and do very little with chicken feed yeah 
That's kind of uh, kind of the point we're at right now because of the summer months. Um, I, I haven't fed the chickens in over over a month. Yeah, some might call that chicken abuse, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you could say that, but uh, yeah, it was no, kind of I, funny because. Yeah, so so no, I, I know where you're coming from because I listen to your podcast. I kind of mm-hmm. know what you're doing, but um, and and I'm about ready to experience that myself. I've been laying off the, I've got grower feed right now, mm-hmm. um, and that's almost gone. And I think yeah, I, I might buy another one, but there. So so Tanya, she'll listen to this and laugh. I hope. But we had this discussion. I said, you know, I think I'm ready to let the chickens start free-ranging. And they're like, this was last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, and she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, like I, I'm I'm here. I, I work part-time. And I when I come home, I let the chickens out I feed them and you know take care of the rabbits and all that I said I, I'm, I'm I think I'm ready I can let them out and watch them and make sure there aren't any hawks around and make sure they learn how to run and hide which they probably already do but mm-hmm. and she's like I, I don't think they're ready I'm like really worried I said okay so I googled when do you let chickens free chicks free range mm-hmm a couple of responses were, you know, uh, whenever you think so, you know, whenever, blah, blah, blah. Two of them were six weeks, about six weeks. Mm-hmm. I said, I looked at her and I was like, so six weeks is about when they're ready. Hello. Google <laughs> said so. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, um, our neighbors, they got chickens about the same time. Actually, it was the same trip. Oh, okay. They, 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 their chicks are already, you know, they had been out, they let them out a couple weeks ago. Oh, they did? And yeah, and, and, you know, they've got, they've got a much more diverse uh, landscape, um, and so they've got a lot more stuff. I'm, I'm planning on planting some um, orchard grass and clover, Yep. In a, like a small paddock area for my rabbits and the chickens to go out and peck around and oh, yeah. nosh on the grass. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, and again, that's something from the Mennonites. I went to the Mennonites and said, hey, I want to grow some of my own feed for chickens and rabbits. What do you recommend? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, let's give you a pound of orchard, uh, orchard grass seed, and I think the chickens will really love some clover. Um, well, hook me up. So I bought two pounds of seed. Still haven't tilled it up and raked in the seed, and I think it might be a little late. Um, but yeah. Um, anyhow, that's that's the the whole concept is is to uh, as close as as much of the loop as you can um, with what you have, and 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 uh, one it's hopefully saves money it won't save time mm-hmm. because i mean your your assets or your resources are time or money and yeah. if you're not spending on it with cash then you're spending time on it so yeah yeah um yeah so the Rhode Thank island you. reds they're about seven or eight weeks they're they're happily in their chicken coop and their tiny run for now and i think uh oh shoot i just realized early happy father's day sir oh yeah thank you you too (laughs) hey do you have any roosters that you know of in that in that flock they were they were sexed so no roosters but okay um i have been on the lookout for a rooster Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people give them away What's that? A lot of people give them away, especially if they're over roostered. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I see them. There's one that's like for five bucks. Some guy in a town south of here is like five bucks, but it's it's like it's too far away. I'll just wait for a free one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and sometimes uh, even if they are sexed, 
Um, and I've had it twice now in the last four or five years where we actually got some from the feed store or the hatchery or whatever. And there's a rooster in there. They just, it just made it through the cracks at, at about, I don't know, uh, right around four months or so. It started to try to crow and then you started seeing some spurs grow and then they have a special tail feather that kind of grows up and, and, and it was, it was kind of a neat deal, but, um, I've been ever since then, I mean, last couple of years here, we've been doing our own hatching and that's basically a straight run. And yeah. we've been butchering almost 100% of the roosters just for meat, uh, right. even egg layer roosters. And it's just astounding as to how, how good that chicken is. I thought you had to have like a meat bird or a broiler in order yeah. to have good chicken, but that is absolute nonsense. You you can uh, butcher egg laying roosters, uh, you know, as long as you're you're getting in the you know twenty twenty week range or so. Um, mm-hmm. It is awesome. Especially- this is good information for me because um, my intent, again, because of being off grid, I don't want to have to power an incubator. Right. Um, and and I want so the other thing that I had heard I don't know how true it is you might have some knowledge about it is that uh, chicks raised in a hatchery uh, will actually not understand what brooding is and mm-hmm. so you end up with a less chance of of if you want broody hens mm-hmm. of getting getting a broody hen from a hatchery than you would having from a hatched out set yeah yeah i again i don't know how true that is but um i I just i want to be as self-sufficient and self-reliant as possible yeah uh so i do want a rooster um i have a question for you because you sound like you would know is do you sequester the rooster for during free ranging because i um no. Tanya and I have already talked about the fact that we don't I mean, if we're collecting eggs quickly, we don't we don't want it to possibly have blood in the egg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um to be honest with you, once in a great while, I'll get blood in an egg even if there's not a rooster around. Um oh. it's it's rare. Um you know, I'm, I go on the, online all the time and watch people, you know, trying to guess whether the the uh, egg is fertile or not. But, um, you know, the rooster, gosh, we're always, always, I mean, our roosters were free-ranging all the time. The only thing we had to worry about really with the rooster was if it was being nice to people or not. You know, if it was chasing, chasing my daughter or not. You know, and uh, as, as soon as like... Uh, a rooster got mean to people. I went straight gangster on their ass, and they became fajitas. <laughs> hey, you're gonna see the inside of a crockpot tonight. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that was yeah. We we had some fajitas that night usually. Um, oh, yeah, that's yeah I don't I don't put up with mean mean roosters, and we've had some roosters that are just dolls. The only thing you'll notice though is like your hens will have um, feathers missing from their back. Because the rooster really likes to breed, especially in the early summer months. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're not going to be these beautiful chickens <clears throat> that that you see like on magazine covers and stuff like that. You know, right, right now we don't have a rooster because we're we're slimming down. You know, if I ever want one, I'll go get one. But um, yeah, right now we're we're totally out of roosters, and I got two Brody hens that have been Brody for it seems like a month and a half. Wow, and, and sometimes that's a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. I I throw them out of there when I gather eggs, you know, because everybody's laying eggs up there, and I throw them out of there so they go get food and a drink, but then they go right back up. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. So we we haven't yeah we haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, I mean, uh, again, it's like I'm I'm listening to different sources of stuff. You're you're one of them, um, and so I. I just learn just learn 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 because you know tomorrow something's going to happen that i've never had to deal with before Mm -hmm. uh 
many of us or anybody listening would probably never have to deal with before. Like our property, um, it's uh, it's out in the woods. Our our neighbor, who's a mile and a half, almost two miles away, um, in the same section of of land, um, talks about how many rattles timber rattlesnakes they had last summer. I've seen, I've only seen one snake on our property, and it was a ringneck, and mm-hmm. it was like six inches long, pretty yellow ring, blue body, and I looked it up. I'm like do I need to, it was in the wood pile. I'm like, do I need to worry about this? It's like, no, these are the coolest looking snakes and they're totally harmless. Um, and then Tanya saw a black snake and a black snake is harmless. Mm-hmm. They, in fact, they, they keep, you know, rodent populations down, which, you know, is a problem if you're, if you've got chicken feed laying out or, or rabbit feed or, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it freaked her out and I, and, I, and rightfully so, I, I don't judge her for that at all. Cause right. I'm not, I don't really particularly like snakes myself, but she, she grew up, she's always liked animals. She's, she's had boa constrictors and, you know, mice and rats and rabbit. I don't know if she ever had rabbits, but um <clears throat> cats, dogs, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um so she's an animal person. Um and uh we just don't want to see bobcats or mountain lions. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. They'd take care of a chicken in a hurry or a rabbit. Oh uh, I bet. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we've been we've been good about uh, you know so far, you know, I, I saw one one raccoon um, before we had chickens or anything. Uh, one evening we were coming home and we saw him crossing the road about a quarter mile from home. Mm-hmm. And later that evening, Buster, my loyal sidekick dog, started alerting, mm-hmm. growling over by you know, where I kept a, I don't know, a bag of trash or something. And, uh, so I went out there with the flashlight and, and, um, and my pistol Mm -hmm. thinking there's something out here. And we just, I don't know, I shined the flashlight over in that direction. And there he was, this big old fat raccoon. (laughs) Yeah. Like white as a truck. He's just staring at me like, okay. And I don't know if you have any experience with raccoons, but yep. they're they're pretty they're pretty bold, right? They're yep. they're like, hey man, I'm here, come mess with me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just stared each other down for about thirty seconds, and, and I'm like, I'm gonna be pulling the trigger any second. <laughs> and uh, right then, he just he waddled his fat ass around and waddled his way back into the woods. I'm like. This is your lucky day. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and that was, that's the only, that's the only, uh, really other wildlife that I've seen. But raccoons, oh, okay. I know are. Yeah. I love chickens too. Yeah. Um, um yeah. I was gonna, gonna ask you a question about your acreage. You know, like, uh, is there any hills? You said there's a creek in the front of the property. Is there any other hills, valleys, or land features on that acreage, or what's the shape of your plot like from a satellite view or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there's a frontage road. It's it's asphalted because it used it was a, a subdivision that was supposed to be developed but never did get developed. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because uh, we have a lot of clay and rock, and so. Um, there's no there's no municipal um, services out here. People would be required to have septic systems, and with septic systems, you need to be able to perk percolate the the wastewater, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of these lots won't perk, um, and so mm-hmm. you can't put in a septic system, and so it makes which was you know hey those people's losses is my gain because I don't need a septic system. Yeah. Um, and, but it devalues the land a lot for people who want to come out here and build, you know, a 
2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000 square foot cabin. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, anyway, it's, uh, there's a lot of rock out here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, the, the lot has the, the frontage roads asphalt and it's almost like a small S curve. Um, <clears throat> the first like 30 feet is, a uh, it drops down into a ravine, which is a seasonally fed spring, uh, creek. Yeah. Um, I do actually pump water out of it into our garden, uh, IBC totes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when it's flowing right now, it's, it's mud. Um, mm-hmm. and then, so once you cross that, we have our, our living structure. Um, and then it goes up a slope up to the top of a, a hill probably about 80 or 100 feet yeah um again you're passing tables of rock on your way up oh okay yeah yeah uh but it's you know there's a lot of sediment and there's you know a few feet of of sandy soil Mm -hmm. Uh, when when we first started planting the garden we we did a you know home soil testing and it really uh it's it's dead there's there are no there's no nitrogen phosphorus or potassium in it mm-hmm. um and it was a little on the acid side so it's a lot of that sediment from the rock um yeah sedimentation sedimentation whatever you call it okay yep. down the rocks so, um and there's there's a lot of pine uh there's poplar there's some hardwoods um hickory oak um but it used to be a uh farm for uh i think paper pulp pine oh, okay yeah so there's a there's a lot of pine um a lot of the stuff uh, was clear cut back in I think the early nineties because uh, so there are satellite views of our property where it's just barren land it's just grass yeah uh, but now you know there are trees on it that are you know thirty feet tall um, wow. and uh, but I, I you know again my advantage is that I get to use that pine um, and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's if I didn't say it's five and a quarter acres. Uh, the front is slight S curve. Um, it goes cool. Um, it's sort of rectangular mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with some angles at the top and the bottom, and a straight line along the back. Um, and it's plenty wide. Um, we're gonna eventually um, maybe I don't know the practice that I got on the log chicken coop might maybe enough knowledge to build an actual log cabin for us to live in up on the top of the slope that's pretty Uh, cool i i know a few people that that got a bunch of free telephone poles and they built a log cabin out of free telephone poles once oh is that right that's awesome yeah yeah just the utility poles from the company just free ones they got dropped off in their yard wow yeah that's (laughs) pretty that's pretty cool um now you got me thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we have these, um, they're called longhorn uh, sewer beetles. Mm-hmm. Do you have them up there? No. Oh, okay. They they look like Asian longhorn beetles, which is like a severely destructive and an in, in, invasive uh, uh, beetle. It has really long antenna. And mm-hmm. they're black and white beetles, but oh, they wow. lay their eggs uh, in the pine, and they—you can actually hear them uh, at various times during the day. They drill these small holes, and you can hear them crunch, crunch, crunch. Oh crunch, boy! Crunch, 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 and they're just—and then they're, you know, they're whatever they're scraping out comes out the hole, and so you have these little piles of pine shavings. Oh um, wow! But here's the thing, when they're done 
being larvae or worms or whatever, they come out as beetles. Yeah. The, the chickens love them. <laughs> oh. Well, you never know. That, that might be a good evasive maneuver there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah anyway, um, so that's, yeah, that's the property. I mean, it, it, I got it. We got it. We got it for a steal. Um, I will say that um, when they were developing the subdivision back here, the first property owners, uh, I'll just say that they they bought the property for almost a hundred grand. Mm, mm-hmm. Five acres, hundred grand. Yep. We got it for a fraction of that. Because that's, that's awesome. it was it was a sham to begin with, okay? Mm-hmm. They probably you know, when they were back here developing the property, they, they probably knew that half of these wouldn't perk. Um and but you know, unless someone's really doing their homework, they wouldn't know. Yeah. So my bit of advice is do your research on the deed. Do yeah. your research on uh, easements. Um, one thing that I ran across a lot, I almost bought 80 acres in eastern, northeastern Nevada. Yeah. For a really reasonable price. But when you have property owners on all four sides of a square piece of land and there's no easement written in on that deed, you potentially have absolutely zero way of getting to that property. No access. No access. Unless you have a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, right. You can land a helicopter on 80 acres pretty easily, but yeah. there's no there's no way you can drive back there if if someone raises rose a stink about it. Um, oh, okay. So always always check your deed for uh, you know liens easements. And maybe there's an easement to someone else's property that you don't want. Right. You know, maybe someone's got the right to use your property line as a driveway that was put in the deed, you know, decades ago. Um, and you don't want that. You want a, you want privacy. So Yeah. yeah. I've seen that um, before. Yeah, that's, that's a really good thing to mention, you know, when you're looking for a homesteading property. Or or a, a hobby farm, any kind of property, actually, even just a regular home, um, right? You know, it's it's a good thing to mention. That's for dang sure. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want it. the the last thing is you know buyer's remorse, right? Like now I have <clears throat> one acre, quarter acre, five acres, a hundred acres doesn't matter, and you know, gosh, I didn't think does it have water on it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And that's kind of a big deal, and we're kind of feeling a little bit of a pinch. But I, I'm fairly confident that at some point I'll be able to, to drill uh, a well if needed, even hand dig a well because the creek down at the at the bottom of our property is a, it's, it seems like a pretty low water table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, the water the water table isn't that deep. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Yeah. You know, that's and that's a thing. You know, like our well at our place you know they just drill them straight down and it's all over the place they do that here you know and ours is under 200 feet deep but the static pressure that comes up from that is only eight feet below it's below the ground you know what i mean so um that's why that hand pump in my basement if the power goes out will pump water because it won't pump more than than 25 feet down but right, yeah, right. it's it's a it's a it's a heck of a system, and you know, being able to pump hand pump your water is a, is totally awesome. Oh man, I, I mean, we're collecting rain. Um, I would love to be able to say, you know, I've got nothing to worry about. I can go out and I'll I'll will sit on a hand pump, you know, and, and pump the water out all day if I had to. At least I know I have water. And yeah, that's like yeah, huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, my neighbor, he's drilled a well, 100 and something feet, 140, 180 feet. Um, costs a lot of money, though, to drill. And I, so I'd rather find it. Yeah, especially through rock. Who I mentioned before, he, in his his properties, he just, 
and I, I think you may have uh, referred to that. He does did a sandpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So he just pounded a sandpoint pipe down 30, 40 feet. Yeah. And it put a pump on top, and he's got water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty common way of getting water, actually, is just hammering down a sandpoint. Yeah. You know, and what, once in a while, it, it'll be a little bit slower than, like, a, the kind I have. But, yeah, it's it, it's a real easy, nifty way to get water. I, I love that. You're you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, if, I, if I started hammering a pipe into the ground, I would probably hit a big piece of granite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of rock there. You'd have to have somebody drill it. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah. But there are also springs and waterfalls and you know all kinds of stuff like that springs particularly there are a lot of springs around here and Mm -hmm. i think there's i think there's one around i just you know it's a year in like we've been collecting the rain we we actually truck you know with with all when i go to town with buy wally world five gallon water containers Mm -hmm. and just all water in Mm -hmm. and when we were transitioning into the IBC totes, I was just dumping those five five gallons. We have five of them or so, you know. Yeah. Um, and we found a really good machine where it was like a dollar for five gallons. Yeah. Which is like st- stupid cheap. Um, we just, you know, every day, you know, if we went to town, we'd fill them up and dump them into the totes. And we'd have, you know, we knew that we were replenishing 25 gallons a day or per trip. Yeah. Uh, and that adds up pretty quick when, you know, you've got, so we have four, four totes. Um, we've got two above the garden, um, which is intended to gravity feed soaker hoses into the beds. Yeah. Um, and then a, a gravity fed hose that if we need have any rogue you know plants that aren't on the soaker hose we just dribble water into it it's the totes aren't high really super high so there's not a lot of pressure yeah but it's enough to get the water down there um okay yeah and then the other ones so the other uh the other two totes are you know what we shower with and um, i have an outdoor shower on a tankless propane water heater. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so it's kind of cool and you know there's there's something freeing about being outside naked when you know there's <laughs> no one around, you can just go outside and take a shower. <laughs> yeah, I we've always dreamed of having an outdoor shower here in the summer. Yeah, that that's cool and you get to do it every day. And, we, and yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's was we're kind of forced to but it's still uh pretty cool nice. um and then so uh i basically just bought a a, a little 12 volt water pump that uh, will feed that feed the shower mm-hmm. uh and so it goes from you know i tied the two totes together there's an output using pex yeah i've got the house and stuff and it goes into the pump and then the output side, I have like a four position manifold. Mm-hmm. Um, one goes to the shower, one goes to a garden hose, and the other is ultimately going to go out into an outdoor kitchen sink. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, um, again, I'm going to build that with logs. I've already got the platform area dug in or out of the side of the slope. Um, and then I'm just going to, um, you know, and I do it old school way too. I, I, find my logs i fell the trees i will um debark them Mm -hmm. and uh soak them with uh diesel and used motor oil two feet uh dig a hole put some gravel down there um gravel dirt gravel dirt pack it down as you go yeah uh and then you you know you can those are your uprights and then you just start putting your beans in you know that's um, cool. So anyway, that's the outdoor kitchen uh, for future future plans. That was my next project, but that got moved up because um, we ran across a situation where I could 
have um, three full pallets of eight inch cement block. Oh, really? Yeah. So for helping someone clear out a property from an estate sale of all the block, I got three pallets out of probably, mm, I want to say 15 pallets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that was my, that was my prize for helping out. Oh, wow. And it's Very part nice. of the community, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, you can have, you can have, well, how many, how much block you need? There's enough here for what I want to do and some. And so I'm like, you know what? I've been thinking about building me a root cellar. Yeah. And so I'm going to dig into the side of the hill lay a lay a footer start stacking cement blocks up bury the top and uh i don't know if you've heard there were a bunch of tornadoes south of south and west of here Mm -hmm. yesterday oh there was yesterday Uh, yeah so we we're we're a little bit nervous about that um but that's something else too is you know what's your what's your tolerance for natural disaster um you know oh yeah definitely hurricanes in the southeast tornadoes in the midwest i don't know if they get up to you i don't think they do yeah we we get quite a few of them every summer oh, okay yeah i know chicago like plainfield which is like outside of chicago which is like right next to naperville where i lived mm-hmm. they had one in the 90s uh that just like wiped out the whole town oh um, wow so yeah i know they get they get up north there um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's hurricane, earthquake, um, you know, if you really want to get down into it, how close are you to a nuclear power plant? Yeah. How, how close are you to a, uh, nuclear missile silo? Um, mm-hmm. and now we're getting into more like prepper stuff, but, and I'm, I'm only, I, I don't really consider myself a prepper, as I said earlier. I'm yeah. only prepping because this is how I live, and and if if shit hit the fan, uh, I'm already prepped. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's that's the you know that's the property. That's um, cool. You wanted to know more about the chickens or the rabbits? Um, yeah, yeah. We we got we to, cover that. Yeah, we covered that pretty good. And you know, I was just getting down here on time on the thing. You know about. I don't know, 12 minutes or so left on the recording here. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, Victor, did you have any anything you wanted to tell anybody, you know, or uh, a good message or a good quote that you wanted to share with the with the audience, you know, about, you know, because, you know, I, you, you haven't said your age or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I was really inspired that at your age that you're just starting this now and uh, you and Tanya... I mean, this is a really amazing thing, and, you know, these are days that you'll never forget. And what's really cool to me is, you know what, maybe the best day of your life hasn't even happened yet. And I was wondering if uh, you had anything that you wanted to tell the good people of the Poultry Homestead Nation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Well, first, thanks for having me uh, on here. I, I, I like sharing, you know, uh, oftentimes we're in situations where we want to be good people and and so we tend to listen more than we want to talk about ourselves more mm-hmm. um and so uh it's it's kind of good to to get this off my chest right um yep. Yep. but uh so thanks for for that and thanks for having the podcast um i i am i'm 58 and i'm just gonna say that tanya's in her 50s <laughs> because yep. So I might be in the in the crock pot if I, you know, reveal that information. But true enough. Um, so uh, no, just uh, I. If you have the dream to do this, um, it's very doable. And like I've like I've you know heard from a lot of other people is like you know you're you're homesteading even if you're in an apartment in a big town. And uh, who knows, maybe a year from now, uh, you will stumble upon an opportunity to buy that five acres in the middle of nowhere where you can 
do what you want. Um, but if you have an opportunity now in that little two bedroom apartment to learn how to can food or buy bulk and vacuum seal it and store it away, um, or make beef jerky or whatever it is, grow plants on your patio, um, do it, just do it because it'll satisfy you in the now, but it, it, it could also potentially, if you realize your dream, it'll, it'll come in handy when it comes true. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. And so, and, and you know, everything that I've done in my life, I have found a use for in what I'm doing right now, everything, you know, from the camping to the kayaking, to the, um, <clears throat> hiking and 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 looking at vegetation and being around trees or dealing with people um you are a culmination of 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 what you've lived so learn how to can so when you do realize your dream and you're out there and you're doing your thing you'll know how to can and you'll know how to live yeah there's little baby steps you can do before you ever even buy that country property and that's that's a huge huge thing that people need to know at a thousand percent because there's there's stuff that and and you know don't be afraid to adapt and learn stuff that you don't know because i i didn't you know i i looked up how to cut down trees now i have a nice chainsaw and i'm cutting down trees as as often as i need to and and i'm how do you notch a log to log interlock with another log? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I do now, but I didn't. So learn and adapt and, and just do what you want. That's that's a big thing. Do what yep. you want and you dream. Yeah, that's awesome, Victor. Well, thank you very much. And, man, I'm glad you came with us today. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to share these episodes with the Poultry Homestead Nation. And, uh yeah, what the heck? Man. Well, I appreciate you, man, and and thanks for even continuously in, inspiring me when I listen to your podcast and keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, anyway, that'll that'll be it for today, and that's episode two. And man, we're we're sure glad to have guys like Victor around here, aren't we? Anyway, have a good one. <laughs>